Well, you know, Mother's Day can be a very complex holiday. For some of you, you are experiencing uh, Mother's Day without your mom. Uh, Your mom is no longer here, and maybe this is the first year, the second year, or the 10th or 20th or 30th year where your mom is no longer with you. And you wonder today, on this day, how do I honor my mom? For others of you, uh, maybe the reality is you never knew your mom. You have no idea who your mom was. And, uh, or maybe you just had a terrible mom. And there's some pain that goes with that. And you wonder to yourself, how can I honor my mom today? For others of you, maybe you have a strained relationship with your mom. And today's a difficult day for you. Or maybe you're estranged from your mom. Maybe you're a mom. And the reality is the relationship that you have with your kids right now is very, very tenuous and and difficult, and you're just wondering, you know, what that's going to look like. Maybe for some of you, you want to be a mom. That's one of the things that you've desired for a long time, and it just hasn't happened. Or maybe recently you've gone through the loss of a child, and, and so today is a very difficult day. So regardless of where things are at on this Mother's Day for each one of you, there's a scripture that tells us this, that we are to honor our father and mother. And so today, whatever your story is, the reality is all of us came from a mom. And the way that Emily and I thought would be uh, the, the best way to kind of start the teaching is to talk about our moms and our mom's moms, because we are a product of a legacy of who they are. I'm going to start with my grandmother, uh, Shirley Downing, and um, I always love going to Grandma Downing's house. We'd always go out in the backyard and play tetherball, you know, and try not to get, like, smoked in the head by the tetherball, and then we'd come inside, and we'd always play this dice game called 10,000, or my grandpa liked to call it Grandpa Wins. That was the, game that we, the name of that game for him. Um, so my Grandma Downing, she decided early on at nine years old that she wanted to follow Jesus. And throughout her life, through many different challenges, she continued to follow after him. I mean, she went through challenges that a lot of people would have just abandoned their faith. But she really just allowed it to make her uh, stronger. So my grandma got married at 18 years old and not uh, much longer got pregnant. And um, this was kind of before the days of like ultrasounds and that kind of thing. So she was pleasantly surprised to give birth to a baby girl. And she was even more surprised to give birth to two baby girls. Um, that's right, she had twins. And um, one, of those moms, uh, one of those twins, Sue, is my mom. Well, everything was going great for my grandma um, in the marriage and with family until about three years into uh, her marriage, her husband became hospitalized uh, for two months with bipolar disorder. And at the exact same time, one of her daughters, my aunt, was hospitalized Um, with encephalitis and spent almost the same amount of time in a different hospital. So she had a husband in one hospital, daughter in another hospital. Things were really, really difficult. Well, eventually, um, they sent her her daughter home, but she couldn't speak. She couldn't um, talk. She couldn't feed herself. She was completely reliant on my grandma. And, you know, her husband had this ongoing illness as well. So she knew um, in this time that uh, she just couldn't do it on her own. Like, she didn't have the strength to be able to do this. So she said she just cried out to God, and she said he filled her with his spirit and just gave her this love for the Bible and for prayer, and she just continued to seek him and seek him 
and he strengthened her through that and helped her to care for them. So um, thankfully, her daughter made a full recovery, um, but her husband continued to struggle um, with this ongoing illness. So several years later, you know, her kids had left the house, and they were grown, and once again, her husband was diagnosed um, with depression again and hospitalized, and um, not long after that, when he was 44, he took his own life. And um, my grandma, she just did what she had always done. She just cried out to God, and she relied on him, him and she went to him for strength, and he comforted her through that. And um, she was able to go back to school and get a job and um, be able to support her family. And then um, a couple years later, she met a wonderful Christian man named Richard, my grandpa Richard, and they were able to get married and um, just serve God and seek God together. And, um, you know, even together, there were trials that they went through of combining families, and then um, she ended up losing a daughter and just went through some really difficult things. But they just, again, they just continued to seek God and to trust him and to rely on him. Well, um, they had 34 wonderful years of marriage together, and um, it was just cool to see them uh, serve God as a couple. And then um, my, husband, or my grandpa ended up getting diagnosed with uh, cancer, and then he passed away as well. And um, once again, my grandma went to God, and she just relied on him for comfort, and he sustained her, and he helped her through that time. So now, uh, my grandma is 88 years old, and she lives in a retirement community, and I'm pretty sure she has a more active social life than I do. I mean, she does, like, wee bowling and, like, crochet club and all this different stuff. And um, when I look at my grandma's life, um, it's so, it would have been so easy for her to focus on all this negativity and loss that happened in her life. But instead, she just takes this wonderful perspective. And um, she says her favorite Bible verse is from Joshua 23:14, And it says this, Not one thing has failed of all the good things the Lord spoke concerning me. All have come to pass. Amen. I think she added the amen to the end there. But that was her verse. Now, my family is very different. Uh, there was a lot of God up in uh, Emily's family. And uh, my family's a little bit different on the front side, at least. Um, there'll be a picture of my mom's mom that comes up. That was Grandma Gotchel, as, or as they called her, Marge. Uh, she actually came from a family of 16 siblings. And they all lived down in Perry County, Kentucky. Or as my family down in Kentucky says, Perry County. Uh, Perry County, Kentucky. And I asked my mom one day, I was like, hey, what's our family known for? And she said, well, we actually were uh, producers and directors. And I never knew this about my family, that they were a part of like the film industry and the movie industry. I'm like, wow, mom, that's, she's like, well, it's not really that kind of producing and directing. Uh, they actually produced Moonshine and they directed the stills. Uh, that's what uh, my family was like. Now, my grandmother uh, got uh, pregnant when she was 15, 16 years old, had a child, got married, and that guy abused her bad. And so eventually they got divorced. And now she was a single mom uh, with a child uh, in the 30s and trying to figure out how she was going to be able uh, to do life in the midst of that. When World War II broke out, she was able to get a job uh, in a factory. And she was one of the first Rosie the Riveters, if you've ever heard that historically. And she kind of had this definite, we can do it attitude. 
Well, uh, while she was in uh, the factory working, she eventually met my grandfather, Earl Gottschall, and he was one that was a follower of Christ. He'd followed Christ his whole life, and he actually led my grandmother to Christ. Now, immediately, she fell hook, line, and sinker for not my uncle, but for Jesus. And she gave her entire life to him and to the church. And shortly after they got married, uh, my grandparents had two children, uh, my uncle Phil and my mom. And uh, my grandma was a true Southern person who loved to cook and uh, lard and anything that would add something to the food, she would add it. Like today, uh, in our culture, she would not work, you know. Uh, but in that day, she did, and she made uh, biscuits and gravy from scratch, and she just loved to cook to care for her two kids and for uh, her husband as well. But in 1946, uh, she was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, they didn't have chemo or radiation, and uh, she died when my mom was nine years old. And I asked my mom, I said, well, what do you remember like at the end of her life? And she said, all I can remember is that on her deathbed, she turned to me and she said, Sissy, you will always have Jesus even when you don't have me. And my mom has been a person of faith since then of allowing that to consume her life, that Christ would be central to her. Now, you can imagine that with 16 different siblings, it's a really large family. This past week, I asked my mom to count up how many cousins she had, and she couldn't remember all of them, but the ones she could, she got to 103 cousins. 103 cousins. And I remember when we would go to uh, these different family reunions and uh, all of these people would come up and they would talk to me, especially my grandmother's sister, about Marge and how, man, she was a tough lady. But when she came to Christ, she wanted everyone to and how she had had an impact and had reached out to each one of them. And this was a woman that I thank God for today who had no money, who had no education, and even though she only lived to be the age of 40, she passed on a legacy of faith that has not only impacted my life, but hundreds and hundreds of other people as well. And my mom now, um, who was one of my grandma's surprise twins, and her name is Sue. And when she was 13 years old, her mom took her to a new youth group. And she was not happy. She did not want to be there. She was not very cooperative, not very uh, nice to this youth pastor. But she realized with all the craziness in the world and all the craziness at home, you know, with her, her dad's bipolar, that she really needed some peace in her life. And uh, so eventually she came around and she decided to give her life to Jesus. And she said when, on that day when she made that decision, everything changed. Her view completely changed on everything. Now, this was right around the time of the Jesus movement. I don't know if you guys have heard about that time in history. And so my mom was one of those Jesus people, uh, which is kind of like a Christian hippie or something like that. I think we have a, a picture of her. Um, and uh, so her and her friends, you know, they started like a band and they started this coffee shop in a basement. And they would just like play Jesus music and just share Jesus with anybody who would actually listen to him. So that was a cool time in her life. Um, well, after high school, she felt like she was at a time where she needed a change. 
So she moved to Washington, D.C. and started working for the FBI. Well, technically, she was a secretary at the FBI building, but I always told all my friends that my mom worked at the FBI, and I thought that was a cool thing. Well, they were, uh, she was just kind of like adjusting to this new life in D.C., and she was loving her new job, and everything was going well, until um, one day she got an unexpected call that her father had died, that he had taken his life. And, of course, you know, this just rocked her world. And I don't know, you know, how she would have made it through this, except that she had met my dad um, by this time. And he was a follower of Jesus, really committed to God, and um, he just was able to support her and encourage her through that really difficult time. And really that just made their relationship stronger. So eventually they decided to get married, and uh, together they felt like they were called to serve God, that they were supposed to be in some kind of ministry But they didn't really know how that was going to happen, and there weren't really any doors opening. And then just randomly one day, they got a call from my mom's friend, and she said, hey, um, listen, me and my husband, we're going to go start this church in England. You guys want to come? And this is, like, so crazy to me, but they were just like, sure, we'll go. And they just packed everything up, and they moved to England, and they served God there for the next six years, just telling people about God and helping to grow the church there and did some really cool stuff at that time. So um, eventually they're in England, they decide they want to start a family, that's me and my sister, and um, pretty soon, you know, as we got older, grandparents were missing us, and they decided they should come back to the United States, so they flew back over here, they had no house, they had no car, no money, no nothing, Um, but they just continued to just trust God to provide, and he did, and they were able to to serve him here in the United States in different ways. Um, My mom eventually started working for a a community pregnancy center, and she was able to just be an advocate for these young pregnant women and their babies and and fight for their needs and really be a voice um, to those that didn't have a voice and just do some really cool stuff uh, in that role. So um, when I think of my mom, I think of two words. She is a fighter and she is a helper. So she will fight for people and for their needs, especially those that can't fight for themselves. And she's a helper. Whenever she sees a need, she just steps right in there and she meets the need. So I, I think she's passed on a little of that helper gift to me. Um, but I pray that I get a little more of that fight uh, that she has in her. Well, my mom is a really, really fun person. And uh, she is the kind of person that if you go to a party or you're at something, it really doesn't start until Sis Bunch gets there. And uh, many of you know her, and she just loves to have fun. And she has a great way of, like, helping people feel connected and accepted and be a part of things. And I remember growing up that fun was something that I learned from her quite a bit. We just uh, enjoyed uh, being together uh, as a family. In fact, I was reminiscing uh, on our time as a son and a mom And I remember Saturday mornings, my favorite thing to do was to watch wrestling. And uh, I had two favorite wrestlers, Bobo Brazil and Dick the Bruiser. And uh, I would act like a wrestler jumping off the couch and that kind of stuff. And my mom regularly would go get into a leotard and would walk in front of the television. And then she would go, you think they're tough wrestlers? Wrestle me. And then she would actually wrestle me and she would pin me and put me down. And it was okay until, you know, I'm 18 and my friends would come over. And then, you know, it wasn't, wasn't so great then. 
Um, but my favorite wrestler was Dick the Bruiser, and he was this mean guy, always had mean looks. And uh, so my mom, uh, this week, I said, give me your best Dick the Bruiser look. And so she did that as well. <laughs> and then she tried to talk some trash towards me and, uh, this week, and she said, I might be 84, but I can still pin you. And so uh, that's the fun. And, you know, I've always known that my mom loved me and accepted me and always believed in me no matter what. And as I've gotten older, as life has been different challenges, she prays for me and my family regularly. In fact, uh, many times uh, my dad said she'll spend two hours uh, on a day just praying for me and for you as a church and for our family as well. And I've always known that she's in my corner, that she's got my back, that uh, she will defend me to the end uh, no matter what. And even when I was in college and I would party a lot, or even when I would get attitude, she'd check me, but uh, she still accepted me. And even when I brought girls home that she did not approve of, uh, she would still love me and uh, care for me in the midst of that. And I have carried that whole sense of her um, sense of love and belief in me for my whole life. Now, it doesn't mean that she and I have always seen eye to eye, and it doesn't mean that we haven't had our arguments before because we have. Uh, the truth is, is that uh, in every family, folks, there are things that happen. But the one thing that she left to me was a legacy of knowing that Christ was there to forgive me, to love me, to care for me no matter what. Folks, there is no such thing as a perfect family. All of us have families with different issues. One within our own family is that sometimes we're not quite as honest with one another because we don't want to ruffle any feathers or bring up any kind of issues that way. And that's something that we have to work on. And I just wonder for you today where you're at on Mother's Day, what is that one thing in your family that maybe you could work on? What's that one thing that is a hot-button topic that no one talks about, but maybe you could be the one to create some of that in a, a respectful way, in a way that honors your parents, but how could you do that? Now, for the rest of our time here, as we close out, we simply want to give you some practical ways of how you can actually honor your father and mother. In fact, probably one of the greatest moral laws, it's actually one of the Ten Commandments both uh, Jesus gave to us and talked about, and also Paul did as well, and is in the Old Testament. This is what Paul had to say in the book of Ephesians. He says this, Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise. So it's a commandment that if you do this, your promise, what are you promised? So that it may go well with you. In other words, that you will have a good life and that you may enjoy long life on earth. If you want to live a long life, a good life, you honor your mother and father because there's a promise to that. Dallas Willard, the great Christian writer and author, when he looked at this passage of scripture, he writes that there's a reason why this command is given. And he says it's not because of being sentimental or being put on a Hallmark card, but this is the reason why. He writes this. This promise is rooted in the realities of the human soul. A long and healthy existence requires that we be grateful to God for who we are. And we cannot be thankful for who we are without being thankful 
for our parents, through whom our life came. They are part of our identity. And to reject and uh, be angry with them is to reject and be angry with ourselves. To reject ourselves leads to sickness, dissolution, death, spiritual and physical. We cannot reject ourselves and love God. Folks, there is a cost to not honoring our parents. Now, honoring our parents does not mean that we just blindly do whatever they ask. I mean, the reality is if your parents abused you, if they hurt you, if they caused damage, if they bullied you, if they're needy beyond belief, if they take advantage of you, you may have to create some boundaries around that. But the truth is, is that you can still honor them. You see, at the heart of your identity lies your family, especially your parents. And the cost of not honoring your father or your mother is to go through life haunted with self-rejection. And it happens all the time. People don't honor their parents and then they get low self-esteem. They reject themselves. And pretty soon, ultimately, it comes to the point where they reject God or they can't trust God or they can't believe in him. So how do you honor your mother and father, even when they might be a difficult person? Well, we want to share with you now something that you can take home on this Mother's Day of how you can actually pursue how you can honor them, regardless of how difficult they may be or who they were or who they are today. So if we're really supposed to honor our parents, if that's part of following Jesus, how do we do that? Well, if we go back to that quote that, um, from Dallas Willard that Chris mentioned, we see that it really comes down to a process of three words. And um, this is a process. It's not a formula. So it's something that may take some time. Um, it's not something that's going to be easy, but it's the process that you have to go through if you really, truly want to honor someone in your life. Honoring somebody, uh, it never means that you pretend that they weren't who they were or you pretend like the past didn't happen or make things better um, in your own imagination. Um, it really starts with this first word of honesty, of being real about uh, who your parents or your mother, in this case, if we're talking about today, being real about who they were and how you felt about them and who they were in your life. And you can't just skip ahead to the honoring part. You have to go through that honesty part first. You have to start there. You know, even in the Bible, when the Bible honors people, it's also very honest about who they were and their flaws and their shortcomings. There's uh, this great chapter in the Bible. It's in Hebrews chapter 11. And it's like this hall of fame of these heroes of the faith and all the great things that they did. But at the same time, the Bible still talks about their weaknesses and their flaws. So, for example, it talks about Noah, who was this great man of God. But it also talks about that he struggled with drunkenness. Or it talks about Moses, uh, who led God's people to freedom, but he also made a lot of really lame excuses. Or it talks about David, who was this man after God's own heart, but he was also a man after another man's wife. And with every one of these people, it was honest about who they were, but yet the Bible still honored them. Uh, in this chapter. Now, I've been blessed with a really wonderful mom, and I'm really grateful for that, but that doesn't mean we haven't always had a perfect relationship. I mean, we've butted heads at times. We've had conflicts and hard conversations, and I'm sure nobody in here would say that they have a perfect relationship with their mom, 
Uh, But some of you might have a really, truly painful and difficult relationship with your mom. But I want to encourage you today to do what it takes to be honest and to go through that path of honesty so that you can eventually get to a place of honoring, no matter how long that might take for you. Well, the first dynamic then is to be honest. The second one is acceptance. So that's your second word to put in. Honesty, the next one is acceptance. I don't do this all the time, but I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to give you the third word as well, okay? The third word is gratitude. So when we're honoring our mom, we want to be honest, we want to have acceptance, and finally, we want there to be gratitude. Now, Emily actually put this outline together. And I just wanted you to look at these three words, honesty, and what does the acronym become? HAG. Now, Emily, I think we could have thought of something a little bit better on Mother's That's why I teach most of the time, people. Um, Because I wouldn't have done that. But can you imagine, like you go to your moms today and you say, hey, I learned this in church of how I'm to honor you. And the way I do it is through this acronym, you're a hag. Um, And so we don't want that to happen on Mother's Day, Emily. Uh, So uh, what we want to talk about is that you want to be honest. You want to be dead honest to do that. And then secondly, acceptance. You know, acceptance is such a powerful, powerful word. When a mom is working right, there is this huge acceptance of their child. I just accept this little gift that I've been given. I know it's going to be an interruption. I know it's going to be exhausting sometimes. And But I'm going to embrace them. I'm going to accept them. That's what we do when we accept. Paul put it this way. He said, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept me? He accepted me exactly where I was. He wanted me to grow, but he accepted me as is. And every child has to come to the point where you accept your parents for actually who they are. It doesn't necessarily mean that you condone the wrong things that they do, but it means that I'm going to choose to love them and I'm going to ask for God's goodness in their life and I will be honest and respectful to them, but I'm going to ask for the best. You know, every single family uh, knows one another better than probably anyone else around. Your family knows everything about you. Even when you hide things, they figure it out. And Family are the ones that can be very honest, but we hope they lead to acceptance as well. Several uh, months ago, my family got honest with me about something that they had an issue with. And what the issue was is that um, my three uh, women in my life, my wife Jennifer and my two daughters Jordan and Shiloh, they told me every time I would uh, uh, eat on a TV tray that I look like a nursing home patient. Now, this is a picture of me, but I don't necessarily feel like I do, even though I have the blanket in front of me, the pillows behind my back, and, uh, you know, I'm scrunched over, um, but they had to do that. And my daughters had to learn to accept me exactly where I was at. Folks, to accept means that I let go of the desire to judge and condemn and to distance. 
To accept means I recognize that they have a high value in God and I must accept my parents because if he values them, I must highly value them as well. There must be a great worth that God has for them and I must see that as well. And that's acceptance. So the third step uh, in this process of honoring is gratitude. And once you work through those steps of honesty and acceptance, eventually you can get to the place where you can be grateful for something. It doesn't mean that you have to be grateful for everything, but even if there's just one little thing that you can be grateful for. I um, talked to a friend of mine this week who had a horrible relationship with her mother. She was uh, physically abusive to her all throughout her life to the point where at 17 she had to run away and start all over on her own. And um, when I asked her about this, she said, you know what, honestly, the only thing that I can be grateful for is that I survived. And for some of you, you know, maybe it's as simple as saying you're grateful that your mom brought you into this world, even if that's the only thing that she did for you. So for the next couple of minutes, here's what we want you to do. Um, We want you to go ahead and pull out that card, that Mother's Day card that Chris had mentioned earlier. And uh, if you haven't gone shopping yet, you've got a card, so you're in luck. And uh, if you're on the stream, like Chris said, you can just click on that link at the bottom of the notes. There's a digital card for you. You can even print that out if you want to. But what we want you to do for the next couple of minutes is we're going to give you some time to do some writing. And um, for some of you, um, you might write something on the card about your mom that you're grateful for. Um, for others of you, maybe your mom is not here anymore but you could still address it to your mom and maybe um, use that as a prayer this week or you could take it to her graveside or maybe just kind of tuck it away for uh, somewhere. Um, Others of you, maybe, you know, you're so grateful that you want to give that card to your mom today or maybe put it in the mail and send it to her. And then there may be some of you that you're really just kind of still stuck at that honesty stage. And if that's you, I encourage you to just Write about what that feels like for you. Write about what you're thinking and and those hard things that you're going through right now. And just be really genuinely honest with God. So we're going to just take a few minutes and we're going to play some music and we're going to give you some time um, to really reflect and to do some writing. So I want to encourage you um, just right now just to go ahead and take some time and to write on that card.
Well, I want to encourage you to uh, continue writing if you need to, to spend some time and then to do with that card whatever you sense God is asking you to do as we honor our mother today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for all the moms who are here today and every single one of the moms that are on the stream today. God, we actually thank you for every woman that is in this auditorium. We ask God that you would help us to honor our moms, not just today, but every day. And God, on Mother's Day, if we're holding a sense of unforgiveness or grudge toward our mom. God, would you convict us right now to make things right? That even if we're only responsible for 1% of the issue, let us be the first one to take the lead and to empower us to forgive. Help us, God, to bless our moms today by being honest and accepting and grateful for them. Loving God, bless our moms here in the jar and help them to know that they are loved and valuable in your sight. Maybe today, as we were talking about that whole honesty piece, you're like, yeah, I want to be honest with my mom. But maybe the most honest thing that's hitting you today is the fact that there's a void in your life. And the void is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, maybe you came to church because mom kind of said, hey, that would be the Mother's Day gift to me if you would come. And and so you came and you thought it was about mom. But as time has gone on, you've realized, wow, I need to be honest with God. I need a relationship with him. My life has not been working the way that I need it to. It's not been working out with all the work that I've done. And maybe today is the day where you would give your life to Christ. That you'd say, Jesus, I need you in my life. This void that I'm feeling, I'm realizing you're the only one that can fulfill it. And so today you're coming and saying, Jesus, I need your love. I need your grace. I need your second chance. I want uh, an assurance that I will be in heaven with you. And so if today's your day, if today's the day on Mother's Day where you would say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to the one who created me, who gave me life in the Holy Father himself, then I invite you right now to lift up a prayer, a prayer that I'm going to ask all of us to just repeat by ourselves if you feel comfortable. Um, And you're not going to pray this alone if you pray it for the first time, but people will be praying it together with you. And so I invite you right now, if you would feel comfortable, just to bow your head, to close your eyes, and to repeat this prayer after me. Loving God, Today I give my life to you. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.